Hello, I'm Viv Groskop, writer, stand-up and sugar-free queen of 2018. And this is We Are Women. We Are Women is the Mint Velvet podcast. It's a place for you to take some time out for yourself as we explore the reality of being a woman. Every episode we explore a theme. And this time you might say it's all about me, 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 because we are going to explore self-care. It's about self-indulgence, self-expression, self-denial, self-everything. Very shortly, we'll be hearing from June Sarpong. When tough things happen, you have two choices, don't you? You either allow it to make you or you allow it to break you. From Abigail James. There's actually research to say that a smile can take off three years of your perceived age. I think that's awesome. One product is never going to do that. And from Cat Farmer, who will be kicking off a brand new feature. I also adore black. And when we're on black, let's talk about white. Forget your Liz Hurley. White denim should be embraced by everybody. But first, I'm joined in the studio today by not one, but two excellent guests. They are Vicky Pavitt and Selena Barker, and together they form the simple but epic creation known as Project Love. Many of you will know them already from the podcast of the same name, but they also run online courses, bespoke coaching programmes and regular salons. They work with the biggest brands around, Google anyone, but they also work with ordinary mortals like you and me. And through it all, their mission is to help women to create lives, relationships, and careers they love. Welcome, Vicky and Selena. Hi. Hello. Hi. Both look as if you should have love as your mission in life. You both radiate this kind of <laughs> confidence and joy. Vicky's got a pink jumper with the word love on it. Um, it's such a glorious mission statement, this idea of Project Love. It's a sort of coaching project to spread love yeah. and help people to have more of it in their lives, right? Is that not quite difficult in today's cynical world, this sort of very simple idea of all you need is love? I think people are craving it more than ever. I think because of everything that's going on, I think that people are actually desperate for more messages about love and connection. And it can sound really cheesy because love has been put in such a cheesy category for such a long time, but mm. that's a huge part of what we're all about is actually taking the whole concept of love out of the sort of knight in shining armour and, and just in that kind of small bubble of romance and showing that it to be something that you really need to bring into every aspect of your life. So it's rather than being something cheesy, is actually something incredibly powerful that you can use in your life. Mm, thank you, Selena. Vicky, can you explain how the two of you work together and what your different strengths and skills are? Yeah, so I'm a love coach and Selena's a life and career coach. And so we are a combination. Um, I can't leave you there at love coach. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the room watching people get it on. It's not that though, is it? No, no, not, not quite like that. Uh, I coach single women who want to be in a relationship. And we have a program called Get Ready for Love. And the premise behind that is that there's no formula for finding love. You can't guarantee love. But what you can do is work with someone to create the right conditions for that relationship to arise by helping them to cultivate love, starting with themselves. The people that you work with, is, is that one of their key problems is that they're not actually managing their self-care very well and that's why they're not finding love? Yeah. I mean, really at the heart of Project Love 
is the is self love, and you have to start there with all of it, not just with finding love with a with a partner, finding love with someone else, but also in finding work that you love, in designing a life that you love. We always start people with self love because if that's not there, then it doesn't matter how much you could find the most amazing partner for you, you just wouldn't be able to. First of all, you probably wouldn't see them when they walk past you. You would be looking for something else. You'd be looking for something a bit more destructive, something that wasn't giving you the love that you needed. Even if you did happen to find like the perfect person for you you wouldn't be able to receive their love you wouldn't be able to really hear what they were saying you'd always be looking for yeah but this isn't working that isn't working because actually what is missing is your self-love and your self-care when you've got people in a, in a relationship that are fighting always go to their self-care first and I always look at this in my own relationship that I have now thanks to get ready for love um but if we're getting into kind of having issues, then I look at, are we looking after ourselves first? Once you get that in, you immediately see that the relationship will start to start to improve, get better. And what you'll find is what was what was really going on at the core there, if anything, or that actually the problem dissolves because now you're looking after yourself. Oh, it has a huge impact on us. What What is proper self-care? Are we talking about making sure you have a shower every day? I mean, what what is it? Yeah, it can be. I mean, proper self-care. I'm not saying I'm someone who doesn't have a shower every day. <laughs> well, let's, okay? start there, that there. let's start there. Let's start there. I'm a bit lazy. <laughs> But yeah, so really at the core of it, self-care is about checking in with yourself and asking yourself what you need to feel well and happy and energized and calm in your body and learning what works for you. So you might start off asking yourself, what do you need? And it's like, ah, uh, some sleep. It's like, great, well, let's start there. So when we first start learning to look after ourselves, it's, it is really basic stuff. It's like, get yourself up, have a shower brush your hair I mean it can be that simple are you saying I haven't brushed my hair <laughs> um, no, but this is really interesting isn't it they might think well I can't go to sleep because I've got to look after children or I've got to go to work or yeah. you know I've got to do all these things I don't want to do I can't just go to sleep yeah but that's so that's a great example because and particularly with mums that is a really important one it's something that I actually and I'm a mum working mum I get I aim to get nine hours sleep a night, which sounds crazy, which does mean I go to bed shortly after my child. But it's so I've realised how important it is for my mental health and emotional health and physical health. For example, this weekend, I spoke to my partner. I was just like, I need like the biggest lion I can get on Saturday morning. I just, I need it. And it's having those conversations where before I might have felt like I wouldn't even have that. Like he's been working hard too. You know, we should. I should be getting up early, playing with my son. I was like, no, I need this. So it's having sometimes com difficult conversations and sort of stepping outside of your comfort zone because we got that, particularly as mothers, but as women in general, the idea that to be a good woman, you should always be looking after others and being there for others and we really shouldn't be spending too much time thinking about ourselves. And it's like the such a fallacy that that somehow selfish and we'll have less to give. We have more to give when we're really looking after ourselves. I love that message. Very good. Yeah. Now, we always ask our guests a question and then come back to them at the end for an answer. So it's something for you to think about. I really wanted to ask you both if there's been a trend or a movement or an idea in your field that really doesn't do it for you, that you think is a bit rubbish. Mm -hmm. uh, you think it just doesn't work or something that's sort of overrated. Have a think about okay. it. Okay. I'll come back to you at the end. 
Now, exploring ways to look after yourself is really an underlying theme for most episodes of We Are Women, partly because it does seem to be something that we all struggle with. But as ever, here to help is our treasure trove of insights, which we collect from all our guests when we ask them to tell us, what advice would you give to another woman? My name is Bronte Arell and I'm an author and owner of Scandi Kitchen. The advice I would give to my younger self or anybody else in the world is you're not going to get out of here alive, so just do it. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. I'm a comedian and the advice I would give to another woman would be to forgive yourself. I'm Elizabeth Day. I'm a novelist and the advice I would give to my younger self is to spend less time worrying. Thank you, Bronte, Sarah and Elizabeth. Listeners, we would absolutely love to hear your advice or your thoughts on anything else about the podcast. So please do come to the Mint Velvet Facebook page or tweet us at Mint Velvet and share your wisdom. Our interview with June Sarpong will be coming up very shortly. But first, it's time for a brand new feature, our Style Surgery. Lots of you have been asking for us to do more about clothes and style. And so this is where we'll bring you advice and insights, both inspiring and practical, from the front line of fashion, by which we mean the real world, not the catwalk. To start things off, here's the blogger and fashion-obsessive Cat Farmer, who writes and posts on social media under the handle Does My Bum Look 40? And no, Cat, it quite definitely doesn't. Hi, my name is Kat Farmer and today I'm doing a shoot for Mint Velvet in a studio in Shoreditch. With regards to denim, I honestly think the rule book has been thrown out. You need to rethink denim as not being a pair of jeans, but about being a pair of trousers in a slightly different, really wearable, uh, really flexible, really versatile fabric. So... There's no reason why a pair of straight leg jeans couldn't be worn, you know, for work. Clearly, if you work in a very corporate environment, that's not going to work. But there is absolutely no reason why it couldn't be worn with a blazer, with a shirt, with a pair of heels. It's the versatility of it that I think is key these days, as opposed to it just being a Saturday, relaxed, dressed down piece of your wardrobe. For me, I personally like to stick with the classics. So I am a blue denim genie. Uh, I also adore black, which is that is that a classic colour? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. I'm going to go for a classic colour as being black. And when we're on black, let's talk about white. White denim again. Forget your Liz Hurley. White denim should be embraced by everybody. I think looking back, the one thing I coveted more than anything but couldn't afford as I was a poor student was an embroidered jacket so we're talking in the 90s um, so I took it upon myself to embroider my own um, I've still got the scars on my fingers to prove it but it was incredible and I absolutely loved it if we're looking at mint velvet denim for sure my favorites are the skinny jeans I remember years ago when I had my first pair they were called the triple zip skinny um, they're not called that anymore but they still are a really similar style and they have that amazing fit amazing stretch and 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 if you're tall like me or on the other end of the scale petite they do them in three lengths which is so rare for a really good fitting pair of jeans it makes all the difference style icons it has to be Emmanuelle Alt. She can make a pair of jeans look like they belong on the catwalk. She is incredible. What she can do with a blazer, a shirt, a pair of jeans and a pair of heels, I could wear that forever. 
if people are struggling with what shape of denim to wear, I wouldn't start with the jeans themselves. I'd start with the rest of the outfit. So think about the tops that you love wearing. If you love wearing um, a more fitted tee, for example, I'd wear it with a looser pair of jeans. However, if you are more into tunics and loose shirts, then skinnies are probably the way forward for you. So I really think don't actually look at the denim itself. Don't look at the piece of denim. Look at your wardrobe, your personal style. Just go with what you feel most comfortable in and what works for you. Thank you to Cat Farmer. And you can find much more on all things denim if you head to mintvelvet.co.uk. Um, Vicky and Selena, I was thinking there's a bit of a a contradiction here because we're all talking about how important it is to have this self-care but why is it so difficult when it's so easy it's so basic isn't it Mm. it's just so obvious yeah I think why don't we do it naturally I think the pursuit of perfectionism that is just rife in our culture especially for women and if you imagine you know, hanging out with the kind of person that is always giving you a hard time and um, holding you up to impossible standards that you can never live by, then it's going to feel pretty rubbish to hang out with that kind of person. And that's how we treat ourselves uh, quite often. Um, and that's why we struggle to be kind to ourselves. And there's a there was a study a couple of years ago that showed that An average woman achieves 26 tasks a day, but yet 80% of those women never feel good enough and always feel under that pressure to be perfect and that pressure comes from themselves. We teach women how to treat themselves like a friend, how to talk to yourself like a friend, to be your own wing woman, you know, to to be the person who's always got your back and to make sure that you're honouring your needs and giving yourself what you need on a daily basis. I'm here in this Canal Side Cafe in North London to meet my next guest, a woman who's been famous for most of my adult life and certainly all of hers. <laughs> Audiences loved her from almost the first moment she stepped into the public eye, starting at Kiss FM and then moving on to MTV and Channel 4's T4. She hit the ground running and hasn't stopped building a career that has made her one of the most recognisable faces on British television. She's also a charity campaigner working alongside her chum, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, among others, and the founder of the Women Inspiration and Enterprise Network, which supports female enterprise. And then last year, she published this incredible book, Diversify, which challenges us all to rethink our attitudes to difference and has really caught the zeitgeist. I'm so thrilled to meet her. I have long admired her grace and genius. It's June Sopong. Welcome to We Are Women. Thank you so much. What an intro. Checks in the post. What what a life. (laughs) We have to pay tribute to this life. So this Diversify thing, Mm. we've got to talk about this Mm -hmm. you've talked a lot about the diversifying moment that you had yourself when you saw a young man covered in tattoos Mm. and you write um that you were prepared to pretend he wasn't there so that you could feel comfortable Mm. i really identified um with that i'm not a fan of tattoos let's not go there (laughs) Uh, what i want to know is what is it about your personality that prompted you to examine that feeling and challenge it? Because I think a lot of us, we know that we do that, but we pretend to ourselves that we don't. Yeah. 
I think it wasn't about my personality that made me want to challenge it. I think it was about my own experience as a woman of colour. So as a woman of colour, I've always looked at this issue from the perspective of being on the receiving end of uh, prejudice um, and never thought that I had any within me. So when that happened, it really knocked me for six because I was like, where is this coming from? Like, what is this? And it made me really understand this issue from the other perspective. And that's what made me want to start a conversation around it because I don't think it's as, it's as extreme as it's presented in the news and in the media. I think all it is is most people are comfortable with people that remind them of themselves, whatever that is. And so for me, it's about almost simplifying the language around these issues so therefore people can be honest about how they feel and what they think. It's a buzz issue, isn't it? Mm. Diversity, inclusion, equality that can become very cliched. But you've managed to attack it in such a way that makes it feel very real. Um, Some of the brilliant statistics that you draw out in the book, uh, 4% of doctors, 6% of barristers, 11% of journalists, 12% of solicitors come from working class backgrounds. Women earn 14% less than men still. And only one in 16 top management positions are held by an ethnic minority so we're looking at class we're looking at race we're looking at gender we're looking at disability I think the disability stats are even worse well which of these issues do you think is the most urgent to tackle or do you think they should all be tackled alongside each other because they have enough in common what a great question I think um the conversation has to be around intersectionality because oh, obviously... It's a very young person's word. Yeah, very... Okay. Intersectionality. I'm, I'm semi-young. No, I'm actually, I'm not anymore. Um, but I think it has to be around that because when you are in your own box of discrimination, you only see things from your perspective. And you always view it as if your position is the worst. Of course, you must look at your own issues. But at the same time, if you're able to see what others are going through, you're able to say, actually, the only way society progresses is if we create a framework where everyone can contribute to the best of their ability. And that means that I have to be in this fight, not just for myself, but for anybody who's otherized. And you're also quite vocal about the practical steps that people Mm. can take uh, towards integration and equality. Can you give us an idea of some of those? Yes. So the first thing is to challenge your ism. Um, Challenge your ism. ism, Yes. Mm -hmm. And on the website, uh, uh, diversify.org, we have an ism calculator. Mm -hmm. It's completely private and you can go on there and uh, uh, take a test and figure out what your isms are. Then the second thing uh, is once you've done that uh, is to check your circle because I think it's really important. If you look at your social circle, if you look at those that you have the choice uh, to socialise and interact with, if they predominantly look like you, think like you, behave like you, speak like you, then whether you like it or not, chances are you're going to have quite a narrow viewpoint because there is nothing in your life to challenge that. Um, And so what I say is I think it's really important to then create a new connection, which is step three. Um, I'm imagining all kinds of amusing scenarios here. People going up to someone on the bus stop. Hello. Yeah, I think it's important because, you know, it's how things change. You know, when I look at my own family, my parents came here in the 70s 
um, as African immigrants in East London. And I was lucky. East London at the time was very integrated. Um, and the white working class community were very welcoming of my family. Um, for me, when people connect, when they sort of reach across that cultural divide or that class divide or whatever the divide is, I think that's where the magic happens. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's important. Just to... thinking a bit about your background and how you grew up, you've mm. had a lot of challenges in yes. your life oh, and in God. your family life. Yes, tell me about But that. you present as a very together person. You know, you radiate happiness and ideas. And where do you, where do you get that positivity from? Is it hard-earned or is it something that you've it's always... hard-earned. I, I think... I think um, I think when tough things happen, you have two choices, don't you? You either allow it to make you or you allow it to break you. Um, and I think the easier choice is to allow it to make you um, because the latter is just too painful, isn't it? So, so I think it's, it's definitely hard-earned. Um, and also, as a result, um, I really value it. And, and, you know, I meditate and all of those sort of esoteric you know out there you know <laughs> liberal do-gooder what's <laughs> the most out there thing that you do uh, kale juice yoga <laughs> yeah. do you Meditation. meditate every day try to try to don't always do it but yeah i try to it makes a difference to my day i definitely see a difference when i don't and how do you want to use this platform that you've created where you can talk about these issues around diversity well i hope what i can do is is somehow be a bridge because I really do understand it from many perspectives you know we were talking before we started the show um, about the uh, debate that happened on the pledge um no, your Sky TV show. Yeah. yeah. Well, we need to explain what the debate was saying. Yes. It was really saying that you can't argue for special treatment yes. for any particular race. Yes. And if you do that, then effectively you end up discriminating against white people. Yes. What happens is if we shut those views down, they don't disappear. People just have them in private and they think them and worse, they act upon them. And I think and that's how we end up with somebody like a Trump in office because you know what he's saying what people aren't allowed to say Mm, this is so fascinating I so want to agree with you and I think what you're trying to do is so admirable and I really hope it works (laughs) but you disagree I I don't entirely disagree I've just come back from the US Mm. and I drove from um, Memphis to New Orleans Mm. right through the Mississippi Delta and lots of the people I met there I really felt that legacy of the weight of Mm. race relations and the weight of slavery and And I was just thinking you know I'm meeting people here who probably would argue happily that slavery should come back yeah and I worry that with the sort of attitude that you're describing we're letting out viewpoints that are just not valid in in the 21st century well what I would say to that is there are certain viewpoints that aren't valid if we're dealing with um, extreme fascism and Nazis whatever I don't believe there's an outlet for that I don't believe but what I'm saying is I believe that there are people who could easily be, man- be manipulated towards those extreme views that actually if people like you and I were engaging they wouldn't be 
Mm. Well, one consequence of all of these events that we're describing is that I think a lot of us feel quite stressed yes. uh, by news and politics at the moment. But our theme for this episode is self-care. Oh, lovely. Uh, and for me, it's been making me think a lot about how I need to avoid getting too tied up in social media and yeah. the news and all of that. But for you, what, what does self-care mean? Sleep. <laughs> Simple as. How much? Uh, I like sleeping. Um, so How many hours? I, I, minimum seven. Minimum okay. seven. Though I like eight. Nine's good too. Um, yeah, I like sleeping. Sleep is self-care for me. <laughs> and the way that you're talking, I'm thinking, I want to ask you what's in your future, but I'm thinking it has to be politics. Do you know what? A lot of people say that, but I think there's, there's lots of other ways to be political without being an MP. I think I like the idea of campaigning. Um, on the, on key issues um, more so than actually running myself. So yeah. Well, long may you campaign Aww. and speak so beautifully Aww. and eloquently. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Jean. This Thanks is so coming. much fun. Can we do this every week? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Our thanks to June Sarpong. We were talking there about the difficulty of looking after yourself. Obviously, you guys got it all figured out, although I can hear the struggle. I hear the struggle. We haven't. Uh, Vicky, what have you struggled with personally that you often pass on to your clients? Um, So I struggle with taking a lunch break, just stopping and not having my phone and not looking at my laptop and not carrying on working, actually just stopping and eating my lunch. And I really struggled with it last year. And so one of my intentions this year is to give myself that time each day. But it's really hard. Harder than you think. I would say marry a Frenchman. That's (laughs) probably a bit of an extreme (laughs) life change, isn't it? That's that's how I solve problems, by introducing another massive problem. I am now a bigamist. This is why I take really, really long, long lunch breaks. Hurrah. Now, we've come to the part of the show where we ask for some expert insight. I wanted to talk about caring for a part of ourselves, which often gets overlooked, our skin. So joining us now is Abigail James. She's a beyond A-list expert facialist, reliably believed to have magic fingers. Those fingers have costed the faces of stars from Arizona Muse to Laura Jackson, an old friend of We Are Women. She came on to talk about friendship. Do have a listen if you missed that. Abigail has also found time to write the excellent book, Love Your Skin. Welcome, Abigail. Oh, it's amazing to be here. Well, it's amazing to have the radiating effect of your face <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> this is it's, good, I it's like It's extraordinary. This. <laughs> you're, you're such a great advert for your business, Thank I have you. to say. Uh, it's a very confusing area, I think, for a lot of people, the area that you work in, particularly because there's a lot of snake oil about and some of it very expensive. Um, do you think that if listeners want to care for their skin, it's something they need to spend a lot of money? money on so the answer is no Uh, I think caring for your skin can be done on numerous different levels so that could be uh, finding some key products that work for you at home Um, you know if if budget is an issue it might even be you know going to the kitchen cupboard and finding some plant oils you know coconut oil whatever it might be and massaging the the skin this is Abigail's casual kitchen cupboard (laughs) for me it would be like some really greasy vegetable (laughs) Vegetable oil oil. it's been there for 57 years you've got coconut 
coconut oil in your cupboard. Okay. <laughs> you know, there are products out there that, to be honest, some are justified with their price point. The research and the quality and the ingredients and everything, you know, some of the price tags, they are actually justified. But, you know, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be the right product for your skin. So, you know, there is something out there for everyone. What's the minimum skincare routine that everyone should be doing? Okay, so... A minimum that we actually want to see results as well. Yes, I think that's key. So I suppose the old school was actually cleanse, tone, moisturise. You know, modern day life, we've progressed from that. We have. Oh, have we? Yeah, if we have. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cleansing is essential and you need to be doing that morning and night. Water on its own is actually drying to the skin. So that's no good. If you're still using soaps, that the pH is different to the skin, so that's still going to dry it. So actually adding in a cleansing, whether it's a lotion, a balm or a wash, that's key. So that's kind of step one. Next is we need serums. Serums are, they're like the powerhouse of your skincare routine. You've got active ingredients in a serum that are going to be impacting usually on a cellular level. It means it's going to be doing something. Then you put your moisturiser on. Gone is the toner. The toners, you can still add a toner in, but a traditional well, toner I now... I did ask you for the minimum. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to keep it simple because yeah. toners are actually quite confusing. Right. Some can be exfoliating. Oh some, dear, you, no, you, you know, it's, it's confusing. So let's keep it to, to our okay, minimum. So cleanse, okay? serum, serum, moisturise. Moisturise. Moisturise is your nourishment. It, you know, it makes the skin feel plump, hydrated, comfortable. And an SPF. That's essential. You know, SPF all year round. Do you think that sometimes people are getting a bit more unreal, uh, unrealistic about what they're able to achieve, though? There's so much yes. pressure to reduce ageing and there's only so much that you can, your industry can do. There is. I've kind of really noticed that there's a there's a sway now that wasn't there when I was younger um, that we are so much more focused on skin and that has come from social media. When we were younger, it was all about the body. You know, it was the magazines and the supermodels and, you know, that there was that issue. But we're all now looking at things on Instagram or whatever where actually the celebrities or whoever it might be, they've probably got filters all over that. So I, I think our ideal... Has, has actually shifted as to what's real with the skin and not. But there are treatments, there are products that will actually make a difference to the quality of the skin. But on the same hand, oh, totally, we need to be realistic. There's actually research to say that a smile can take off three years of your perceived age. I think that's awesome. One product is never going to do that. Mm, I'm, I'm frowning at this for some reason. It's not, that wasn't part of your message, was it? Um, now, thinking about people uh, taking our message of self-care from today and deciding perhaps to book a facial. Yes. What would you look for in a new facialist? What What are the signs that it's a good place to go, good investment of your money? Okay, I suppose... Um you can have a Google, see their credentials. It needs to be in your price bracket as well because the idea is that hopefully you might be able to do this on a a, a reasonably regular basis because that's when you actually get the long-term results. And that's not just me selling facials. Uh, I find once you get to three months, the results have kind of tailored off and you're kind of well ready for your next one. Um, I feel like you're really looking at me there, Abigail. Yeah, when did I last see you, Vish? I know. Long, just throwing that out there. About a year ago. <laughs> and it shows. I know. Um, a facial that includes some technology. 
So this isn't invasive technology. This is technology, it might be microcurrent that's working on firming muscles. Um, you've got things like radio frequency that's boosting collagen. You, th- these aren't things that are aggressive to the body. You know, it's working with the body's natural processes to reduce the visible signs of aging. The other aspect from a self-care point of view is A, you've taken that time for yourself, whatever facial you've chosen. It could just be a luxurious, relaxing massage facial, but that's that's some time for you. There's no denying it actually does physically age the skin prematurely when we are stressed. So whether you've chosen a results-driven facial or like a relaxing facial, you are going to be benefiting from that. What are the aspects of self-care that you personally struggle with, Abigail James? Okay, my job is I'm I'm a therapist. Fundamentally, I'm a beauty therapist. As therapists, you're natural givers and carers and you constantly want to help everyone that you come across you know you kind of absorb everything from people around you and for me it's building up those boundaries of when do I need help and support and time you know my my day in treatment often I don't finish till eight o'clock in the evening because people want to come and see me when they finished work but I'm still working so I suppose time management is a big thing for me you know I've got three children Uh, I'm a single mum have been for over 10 years so that juggle of time management and finding those those the, those times for me. I think you should say to your clients, can you just stop telling me your problems? Just let me rub your face. <laughs> That's to solve everything. Uh, any skincare burning questions, Selena and Vicky? Oh my God, I'm hanging your every word. I've never used an anti-wrinkle cream or anti-wrinkle serum and I feel like I've missed the boat. So I didn't use it in my 20s when it uh, seems to be... Have you looked in the mirror recently, Vicky? I I've think got... there's a good reason why you don't oh, need to use yeah. those things. It's all around my eyes. The fringe is covering Yeah, it. exactly. It hides <laughs> a multitude of sins. Um, it's never too late. I had a lady literally last week. She was 79. It was her first facial. I wow. absolutely love that. She's been comfortable in her skin all of her life and she's just feeling, well, now I might, I just might need to experience this. I love that. Mm. So it's never too late. I'd be thinking getting some antioxidants into your routine in the morning. Those are going to help, you know, fight the pollution, the free radicals, those kind of things that are around us. And even getting some retinols involved in the evening. It doesn't have to be heavy, but those would be my two key serums if we wanted to aid prevent Mm. those would be my key products to add in very good advice now we're very lucky because (laughs) abigail james has very kindly agreed to answer any specific questions that listeners to we are women have about their skincare routine or any other questions you have about beauty and self-care so if you could tweet us at mint velvet with the hashtag we are women and ask abigail james your questions and you too can look exactly like arizona muse and not like a 79 year old me now we're nearing the end of the podcast and I wanted to come back to Vicky and Selena and ask them the question I raised at the beginning. Abigail, I'd like you to think about this too. Uh, It's this idea of thinking about something in your field that you think is overrated or doesn't work or perhaps that just didn't work for you. I'm not going to name specific names, but anyone that gives messages of this is how you're going to catch a man and keep him and playing on people's fears of like the five things you're probably doing to turn away people on dates. I think that 
drives me wild. And there are people who've got really big names for themselves that are putting out those messages, how to manipulate someone and continue to do so for as long as you possibly can, because otherwise you'll lose them. It's just the most insane message. It's so lacking in love. And there are a lot of women who are buying into this. And that yes. really, really... Let them come to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Or go somewhere where, the, the you know, it's coming from a place of love. Vicky, what's about you? <laughs> I was looking for a birthday card the other week and there was a card saying, you complete me, as like a card, like a Valentine's card, I think it was. And again, you know, that is, you shouldn't want to complete someone. You should be enough on your own. You know, it's that whole Jerry Maguire thing where Rene Zellweger says to Tom Cruise, you complete me. And, you know, rom-coms, part of the reason why we believe that looking for love involves looking for someone to complete us, which, you know, is the wrong, wrong message. Abigail, in your industry, there must be loads of things that appear to work and then they sort of have their day and get superseded. Was there anything you could think of? So it's going to be a sweeping statement, um, but generally eye creams are the most underwhelming of all of the skincare products. Oh, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> because, because our eyes are constantly blinking and smiling and everything else, we've always got that movement around the eyes and the skin around the eyes is actually ten times thinner than on the rest of the face. I mean, even a lot so of the beauty use editors... ten times more eye cream, I say. quite work like that. Forget the eyes. <laughs> Forget the eyes, just focus on the rest. Um, they're still essential in your routine. Don't give up on the eye products, but you have to be realistic with the results that you can achieve. Wow, well, that's a most brilliant self-care piece of advice. You don't need eye cream. No, that's just not a, what I said, No, Viv. OK, you just only need a very small amount of eye cream. It just makes me think immediately of stand-up and the things that work in stand-up and the things that don't. And I notice a big trend in stand-up at the moment for people shouting, women as well as men. It's it's gets quite shouty, and I've been to quite a few shows where I come away with a headache because it's been too shouty. And I find, for me, what really works and makes people listen is when you lower your voice and talk quite quietly because they have to then lean in and listen to you. So that's what works for me. Oh, yes. very good. Very small amount of eye cream <laughs> and lowering my voice. That's a secret to success. <laughs> that's all we have time for today. But please do get in touch and let us know what self-care strategies you have put in place to help you survive the wet and chilly beginnings of the year. You can tweet at Mint Velvet or come to the Mint Velvet Facebook page. And of course, do subscribe via Apple Podcasts, iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And if you could take a moment to rate us and review us, that would be particularly brilliant because it helps others to discover us and makes us feel great too and helps us know how to improve. My thanks to our guests, Kat Farmer, June Sarpong, Abigail James and of course, Selena Barker and Vicky Pavitt. We Are Women is a Whistledown production for Mint Velvet. The producer is Kate Taylor. I'm Viv Groskop. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>